route. Blue sea, a curving bay, a long coastline of hazy blue mountains. Such is the view from the terrace of the hotel. From my bedroom, which looks inland, I see a garden of scarlet poinsettias. The room is high, distempered white, slightly prison-like in aspect. A modern wash basin, complete with taps and waste pipe, strikes a dashing modern note. Above the basin and connected to the taps is a large square tank with removable lid. Inside, it is full of stale-smelling water connected to the cold tap only. The arrival of plumbing in the east is full of pitfalls. How often does the cold tap produce hot water and the hot tap cold? And how well do I remember a bath in a newly equipped western bathroom where an intimidating hot water system produced scalding water in terrific quantities? No cold water was obtainable. The hot water tap would not turn off and the bolt of the door had stuck. As I contemplate the poinsettias enthusiastically and the washing facilities distastefully, there is a knock at the door. A short, squat Armenian appears, smiling ingratiatingly. He opens his mouth, points a finger down his throat, and utters encouragingly, Manger! By this simple expedient, he makes it clear to the meanest intelligence that luncheon is served in the dining room. There I find Max awaiting me, and our new architect, Robin McCartney, whom as yet I hardly know. In a few days' time we are to set off on a three-months camping expedition to examine the country for likely sights. With us, as guide, philosopher and friend, is to go Hamoudi, for many years foreman at Ur, an old friend of my husband's, and who is to come with us between seasons in these autumn months. Mac rises and greets me politely, and we sit down to a very good, if slightly greasy, meal. I make a few would-be amiable remarks to Mac, who blocks them effectively by replying, Oh, yes. Really? Indeed. I find myself somewhat damped. An uneasy conviction sweeps over me that our young architect is going to prove one of those people who from time to time succeed in rendering me completely imbecile with shyness. I have, thank goodness, long left behind me the days when I was shy of everyone. I have attained with middle age a fair amount of poise and savoir-faire. Every now and then I congratulate myself that all that silly business is over and done with. I've got over it. I say to myself happily, and as surely as I think so, some unexpected individual reduces me once more to nervous idiocy. Useless to tell myself that young Mac is probably extremely shy himself, and that it is his own shyness which produces his defensive armour. The fact remains that before his coldly superior manner, his gently raised eyebrows, his air of polite attention to words that I realise cannot possibly be worth listening to, I wilt visibly and find myself talking what I fully realise is sheer nonsense. Towards the end of the meal, Mac administers a reproof. Surely he says gently in reply to a desperate statement of mine about the French horn. That is not so. 
He is, of course, perfectly right. It is not so. After lunch, Max asks me what I think of Mac. I reply guardedly that he doesn't seem to talk much. That, says Max, is an excellent thing. I have no idea, he says, what it is like to be stuck in the desert with someone who never stops talking. I chose him because he seemed a silent sort of fellow. I admit there is something in that. Max goes on to say that he is probably shy, but will soon open up. He's probably terrified of you, he adds kindly. I consider this heartening thought, but don't feel convinced.